I am Jason Snell, and I'm here with Monty Ashley, who I should say as background was the recapper of Game of Thrones on Television Without Pity, which is no more. Mm. But uh, instead, we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 1 of Game of Thrones, Two Swords. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. I counted the swords. There were more than two swords. And of the two swords they were talking about, we only saw one of them. Right. Well, we saw the other one sort of getting poured, but... Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure that really counts. They were t- they took Ned Stark's sword and they made two swords. Yes, that was their excuse for putting the uh Ned getting beheaded scene in the in the uh previously. Yeah, previously. Yes. In case you forgot that Ned got his head chopped off. I-, I assume most people forgot some amount of things that happened on the show, but that moment he probably <laughs> stuck in people's probably. minds. Yeah, probably did. Uh, for the record, it was 27 minutes for me before I said, who is this person on the screen? <laughs> which uh, wow. I made a little r- notation of the important moments, which were 12 minutes in, gratuitous breasts, 19 minutes yep. in, gratuitous dragon. Uh, there were there were four gratuitous breasts, too, not just two. Yes. That was nice. Because there was some shopping. It was like the... Uh, the breast aisle at the uh, at the supermarket. Yeah. Not that one. That's how you know. Show me the next. One. That's how you know Oberyn Martell is a libertine because he doesn't just take the first breast that comes along. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's even more outrageous. It's his girlfriend who picks the uh, yeah. the women. He's that. He's that kind of guy. He's open minded. Also Italian. I did not know that Dornish men were just the Italians of <laughs> the Latin Lotharios of of Westeros. But apparently that's. That's the deal. Well, if you need an excuse for everybody to look down on somebody else, you just associate them with a country in our world, pretty much any country, and then you're done. You can just say, uh, the Tyrells are, I don't know, French? Let's say they're French. Okay, everybody hates the French. <laughs> and so in this, although I did at the at the end of the scenes with um, with Prince Oberyn, and uh and Tyrion and the and there's the the whorehouse and then they come to to get him and all that um the, the, there's a he has a real Inigo Montoya moment at the end as Prince Ober, uh, Oberyn where he's like hello my name is Prince Oberyn you killed my sister prepare to pay your debts <laughs> it was it was strange the the moment of uh Mandy Patinkin should get in there I feel like in- everybody on this show has had a relative killed by somebody else at this point I'm not yeah and he had somebody killed before the series even started. This is going back to the Targaryen the times. overthrow of Rhaegar, which yeah. I Everybody's personally... been out of shape about that stuff that happened before the series started. Uh, doesn't he know that if he wasn't as if he wasn't part of the show to begin with, we don't care? <laughs> Arya can pull off the Inigo Montoya thing, which she does really well. Yeah. Because she spent at least a season dream of dreaming of nothing but murder, and now she gets to murder people in cold blood, and she seems so happy mm-hmm. about it. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we, we've seen that on the journey. But Prince Oberyn, I have to admit, in the books, I'm not fans of the Dorne people because they are introduced so late yeah. that I keep thinking, no, 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 we don't need a hundred more characters. And so, I, I mean, I like that they've got little sons on their outfits and that they're they're swarthy, you know, Latin uh, Lotharios, and I think that gives them a little flavor. But um, in the books, I'm just offended by them because they seem to be an unnecessary complication. <laughs> At a certain point, you feel that the world has been developed enough and we can get on with the <laughs> plot, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the... Because the, the, he's... We won't spoil the books, but his, his what, sister's... 
our our characters that we meet later and it's just like come on more characters really well a whole country we haven't seen before that okay fine on the other hand the tyrells were introduced pretty late and i'm really enjoying them on the show much more than in the books where i don't remember them at all there's a scene later on in this episode where we get to see um natalie dormer and diana rigg as the you know marjorie and 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 the great, great aunt Tyrell. And uh, those are great. Those are, I mean, I have those moments of like, oh yeah, I love these guys. I'm so glad that they're back. And, and you're right. The Tyrells are latecomers too, but um, you know, the, the, they're interesting. And uh, Natalie Dormer is um, a fascinating actress and uh, Diana Rigg is great too. Yeah. So that's a great uh, dynamic. Well, Natalie Dormer. I'm always happy to see her on anything now because she was great when she showed up on elementary. Uh, I won't spoil the surprise, but she starts off as Irene Adler and then some things happen. Yeah. But yes, go watch Elementary if you'd like to know what those things are. But this I wanted to see more of the scene of her talking to Brienne, maybe coaching her on how to get what she wants out of life without having to kill everybody. And I don't yeah. care if it's not in the books. These characters are way more fun to me. Yeah, I really um I loved it when Brienne showed up. I thought it was interesting when uh when Diana Rigg sort of excuses herself and and Brienne and and uh and Marjorie go off and and chat a little bit. And, and yeah, the chat ends up being really a shadow killed them. Yes, I keep trying to tell you people, <laughs> a shadow of of Stannis killed Renly. Why won't anybody believe me? But in this episode there's a lot of sort of uh Let's remember where things are. <laughs> Let's visit everybody and remind everybody about what's happened before. And so, yeah, that, they didn't really advance their relationship any with Brienne sort of just setting the stage of like, really, I'm innocent. I, I didn't kill him. It was a shadow. That's true. People did spend a lot of time like Tyrion made sure to say, remember, I was with Catelyn Stark for a while and she wanted to kill me. And then Jamie had to do his explanation of where he had been and how he right. was in prison, just in case people didn't memorize the previous 30 episodes. Yeah, well, there was a lot of that sort of like, I'm in a new, I'm in a new place from where I was before. Don't think that I've always been here. Because that's how I felt with, with, um, with Jamie and Cersei. It was very much like, we need to remind you, we're just really talking for the first time because I kind of came back at the end of the last season. So... You know, we need to make it clear that that we're awkward, and I've only been here a couple of weeks, and before that, I was off with Rob Stark being a prisoner yeah. and getting my arm chopped off. I felt bad for Jamie. He had a really bad episode. He started off with a plan, and his father was nice to him and gave him a sword of the legendary Valyrian steel, which is the only kind of steel anyone ever talks about on this show, so it doesn't seem that special to me, but they keep swearing it is. And then in really quick order, his father disowned him, his sister, whom he is in love with, said she wasn't going to sleep with him anymore. And then his son, Joffrey, who he has decided to give up his inheritance for so he can protect the little king from harm, was just making fun of him for not having a hand and for being the hideously old age of 40. Yep. And yeah, it's, a, it's tough. It's tough. We're, we're not supposed to, you know, Jamie is not one of those characters you're ever expecting to feel sympathetic for, but he has a rough here. He doesn't even get a cool hook for a hand. Oh no, he gets a stupid and, and if you've got like phantom limb syndrome, wouldn't that be like the worst thing to have something that looks like you should be able to move it but you can't because it looks like a hand but it's not? I actually assume that that was a practical thing where it's easier to put him in a to slip his hand into a little metal hand cast. Yeah. 
rather than have the special effect of him not having a hand or having a hook or something. Well, just ass- I assume that at some point he will wish he had something mounted on his arm that could stab people. Sure. Although, I mean, if that hand is solid gold the way it looks, you could probably get some damage in just by clonking someone over the head pretty hard. Yeah, just bash him, bash him in. But yeah, shouldn't he have have like a, a an arm sword? Yeah, just you know, badass arm sword that chops people up and stuff. Plus his plus his sword in his other hand, he'd be like a two dual wielding kind of crazy swordsman guy. Maybe I I um my recollection of the books, and it's probably wrong, was that Jamie was a little more hesitant to get back to it with Cersei rather than it's being Cersei here. You know, it's Cersei who's really like, um, nope, too late. You missed your chance. She's she's really giving him the cold shoulder. I don't know whether my memory is wrong or me- whether I'm remembering something from from <laughs> later on in the story or what. Who can tell anymore? I yeah. can't remember anything. But but I was I was uh, I felt bad for him. Um, I'm not sure he's super enthusiastic about being with her, but he does turn down going to Casterly Rock and getting married and having babies to uh, stick around with the. You know, with with Joffrey who doesn't want him there, and Cersei doesn't want him there either. It's like, why is he even? Why am I even bothering with you people? I I thought Joffrey uh, did a good job of even if people don't remember anything of the story, they could watch this episode as their first one and immediately say, much like everyone else, I hate that kid. I want him to die. <laughs> I love the uh, line uh, from Marjorie about um, how that if the necklace came from Joffrey, it would be like bird's heads on a necklace <laughs> and, and and diana riggs like, no, yeah no, don't say anything don't say it we all know it don't say it don't because he's crazy um joffrey also by the way um when we decided the seating chart for our wedding um <laughs> we did not have to worry about where the various uh, guards would be placed but it's that's clearly when the king is getting married that is that is what you're worried yeah. about and that allows yet another you know bashing of of uh of poor old Jamie. <laughs> You're useless. I did like Marjorie's pointed comment immediately right after Olena told her to, not to say mean things about Joffrey. She took that lesson to heart. So as soon as she's alone with Brienne, Brienne starts to apologize for what happened to Renly. Marjorie just says, oh, well, the, he's not the king. We have a king. It's Joffrey. Right. She's the only practical person. Well, I guess they're the only practical family in this whole place where they're saying, so who won the Lannisters won. All right. We're with the Lannisters. Let's move forward and not go all Martell on everybody. (laughs) Right. Right. You killed my whoever. I'm very angry with you. It's like, well, you're in charge now. Um, so good for you. Yay. (laughs) Yay. King Joffrey. Woo. Until, (laughs) you know, until his time is when that is, you know, not uh, as useful for us. And then we'll do whatever we need to do. Yeah. Then they're very, very much so. I fi- um, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I find myself more attracted to the characters that have a goal at this point in the series. Like, Arya is out to kill people, and she has a list, and if she runs across them randomly, she'll happily slide a blade into their throat. Yes, as we saw. Whereas Sansa is just moping. She just runs away into the woods because it's the only place she can go where people don't talk to her. Yeah. This has been her lot for most of the first three seasons <laughs> well she thought she was going to be in a fairy tale and then it didn't work out but yeah so now she said i want her to get over it do something yeah yeah Tyr- and Tyrion, i was i in the books i felt i felt the same way about this it's like you know Tyrion's not so bad 
Yeah. You give him, you know, give him a break. And he's not actually trying to sleep with you. He just wants to get to know you better. And he's better on the show than in the books because the books keep yeah. saying how hideous and ugly he is. And Peter Dinklage is a pretty attractive dude. So, yeah, he has just a little scar on his nose <laughs> and under one eye instead of like not having a nose. Yeah. As in the book. So yeah, give him, cut him a break. He's not a bad guy. He's a Lannister, but he's not, he's no Joffrey. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, I wanted to mention the uh, early on when they, when, uh, Tyrion goes out to meet the bannermen of Dorne. Um, that's an amusing, amusing moment because in the books they talk a lot about, oh, the exchange of the bannermen and we have to ride out to meet them and all of that. And that's all the stuff that like I would sort of skim, re- you know, read faster. It's like, this is really boring. This is really boring. And so they put a scene of that in and I thought that was really funny. And of course, the guy's not even there. Yeah. And, and Tyrion's like trying to go through his script. You know that he's been taught how to do the official things and they're like yeah he's not even here he's already gone chief that's uh the line where podrick is reading off the banners he sees and identifying the families it was a little like watching an adaptation of the appendix to the book where they have the (laughs) huge list of families pull this out yeah, we've got this list of of what all the different banners look like, and you would have to know it if you were part of this. Yeah, this you know the protocol of these people. It's clearly, the squire's job to do that. And it's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I mean so it's kind of funny that I was like oh yeah this is what it would be like and it's really kind of boring but that's okay. It, angry, so dragons, um, we should say we got we got some some dragon action. The dragons are a little testy. Yeah. They were testy, and then they were off-screen, which I think is because they're expensive. Right. Very much so. And then Daenerys is, to the extent that she had a plot, it's Dario and Grey Worm. <laughs> they have a staring contest. Yes. And they like her. <laughs> Apparently, yes. They like her, and they're, they're fighting over, like, who thinks she's the most awesome. And the answer, she comes in and says, you guys are knuckleheads, <laughs> and both of you will be watching the goats. And um, neither of you are awesome, which I actually kind of like that, that she's trying to puncture their um, their enthusiasm because they're trying to out, you know, out enthuse each other. Yeah, but it didn't seem to work because Dario's still bringing her flowers. Yeah, exactly. And it's a new Dario, by the way. They recast the actor. I noticed he seemed suaver. Yeah. I also thought Jon Snow had a whole new accent, but that could just be me misremembering him. Yeah, it was um that was another one of those moments of like remember this is new, right? Yeah. It's like you got to remember I wasn't with the Night's Watch last year. I was with the Wildlings. So now I'm back and I've got issues. So they had to like recap that. It was nice to see Sam and John together because we haven't gotten that for a little while. We got the little sort of reaction to surely he, you know, he has to find out that that his brother Rob died. So we see a little <laughs> bit of that. Just throw that in there. And then, uh, and then John gets brought up on charges because you know he did like break all the rules of being in the Night's Watch. <laughs> what you're not supposed to abandon your brothers, go north, have sex with wildlings, and kill, kill. your commanding officer. Yeah, apparently, <sighs> apparently not. And 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 the the terrible former City Watch guy, uh, Janos uh, Slint, right? Yeah, is like, well, we got to kill this guy. And you got to love uh, Maester Aemon, who's sort of like, meh. He speaks the truth, and 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 if they run off to a whorehouse every now and then, whatever, it's uh, it's fine. And and he's like, "That's it. You can go, uh, old blind meister." I'm not sure 
their army makes a lot of sense with all these rules that nobody follows. <laughs> I Yeah, that was my thought. Is like, wow, this is the, like the disciplinary hearing. This is like the court-martial. And in it, they're just saying out loud, you know, oath of celibacy, sure, but they run off to the whorehouse. And, you know, it's more of a guideline than a rule. <laughs> yeah, as I- long as they don't make a big thing of it. And it's just the whores and not like falling in love with somebody yeah it's fine we can't we can't be picky i mean that that could be the slogan of the night's watch honestly is we can't be picky we we can't get anybody to do this so whatever and then we also saw some of the uh some of yagrit and her pals meeting cannibals with elaborate facial scars yeah the thens have we we not seen them before we have not i think it was supposed to be shocking that they were going to eat somebody but I've been watching Hannibal, so all I could think of was that this leg is insufficiently prepared. Yeah, it was like they just literally just chopped off somebody's arm, and they, you know, they were lucky that they looked like took the shirt sleeve off of it yeah. before putting it on a on a on a little roasting rotisserie. That's not going to taste that great, even no. if even if you're really enthusiastic about eating people. I think you need to spice it or salt it or something. And why just the arm? Or is there, or is there like a one-armed guy around going go? Well, maybe they uh, ate the rest of him on the way. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, we got to see the Thens and talk a lot about Mance and how they're waiting for Mance's orders. But the the Thens want to ride down and and get the uh, get the crows at Castle Black. Uh, So you know, there's so many different scenes in this in this story. It literally is. We need to check in on everybody to set the stage for future episodes. And it felt like that. I don't know. Do the first episodes go like this? Because I I can't remember an episode being quite this disjointed where it's like literally we need to see everybody for about two minutes. I think the last season's premiere was like this. But I agree that normally they'll just have a couple settings. They kept coming back to King's Landing for most of the episode. It felt largely Lannister-centric. What with Cersei and Jamie and also Tyrion. Right. And there's still people we haven't checked in on. Right. I, I, Bran's out there somewhere. Who's left right? Bran. Yeah, that's right. Hodor. <laughs> haven't heard from Hodor yet. I wonder what he'll have to say. Uh, Theon is still getting tortured in his tortured castle. Right. Right. At the Dreadfort, which we saw. Yeah. A, uh, it's in the opening credits with a little flayed man and everything. That's but the, we didn't actually go there. I'm so happy to see that in the opening credits because I love the name the Dreadfort. Yeah. No, they, it's, oh, there's and, a lot of serious marketing for those guys. They're like, hey, we flay people. Did you know? Yeah. And uh, Dragonstone is in the opening credits. So we could have right. seen Stannis and his Melisander. nonsense. Melisander. Yeah. And uh, the Onion Knight. But we didn't see them either. You're right. We didn't get to quite everybody. We got to almost everybody, though. Um, I wanted to mention, uh, let's see, we, we had the, we have, so Dario comes back with flowers, but then they, they find that they're there. It's like 160 miles to Marine and there's going to be a killed slave every mile. Yeah. So that's, those guys are bad, I guess, is what we take from that is that no, no respect for slaves. But Daenerys has the only three dragons in the world, plus an incredibly loyal army of a million people or something. And she's had no problem so far. Yeah, there's a structural problem I have, I think, with... um, And it's not just the TV series, it's the novel series, too, is I feel like Daenerys for a while is um, treading water a little bit because it's literally like, 
you know, I go to this city, they got slaves, I don't like slaves, and we overthrow the city. And we go to the next city, they've got slaves, I don't like slaves, we overthrow the city. It's sort of like she's got this is this is the game. We keep seeing the same game from her. So it was a little bit like, you know, I like seeing Daenerys. I think she's an interesting character. I like seeing the dragons. I like seeing the that big army of the unsullied. But at the same time, <laughs> I also had that moment of like, haven't we seen yeah. this before? I mean, yes, everybody is very offended that there are slaves and that they do bad things to slaves. Got it. But I like I like seeing Daenerys. I feel like I could also like seeing Daenerys with some of the people in the rest of the show. Right. Maybe having, maybe sending her army against something instead of just having it following her in huge rows. Further and further away from Westeros yes. is the impression I get too. In the opening credits, it's sort of the, the big whooshy pivot that happens. And you're like, you're going over ocean and land for a long time before you get out to... You know, she's way out there at yeah. the edge of her orbit now. The pacing of the opening credits always ends with go up to Winterfell, although nobody's in Winterfell and it's still a no. smoking ruin. Then go up to the wall. Then they go off. around the sun. Yeah. Then go past the sun out <laughs> east to whatever tiny, epi- tiny city Daenerys is currently so sort of near. Yeah. Yeah. It's way out there. I did, I, I liked um I liked seeing Jamie and Brienne have that conversation. I, it's nice. That's a that's one of those pairs that you like to see them back together again. Jamie, honestly, Jamie and Cersei. It's like that's kind of gross and whatever. Yeah. But Jamie and Brienne is a great pair, and so to to that's the reminder from that the show's doing that those two are great together. Yeah i I wouldn't mind Jamie and Brienne hanging out for if Jamie and Brienne could meet up with Arya and the Hound. Or Marjorie and anybody, I would be delighted. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are good pairs. You know who's who's not a good pair is Sansa and the drunk Sir Dantos. Oh yeah, I did not care about that even a little bit. I, I, <laughs> and, and, and the dialogue there. I mean, literally, he's reminding her as he's reminding us. It's like, who are you again? I was the drunk guy who was made the fool. Because I was drunk during the thing. And she's like, oh, right, yeah. in the first season. I remember I, I, you now. <laughs> I was in the previously on, the beginning of this episode, and everybody already <laughs> forgot that I exist. Well, I'm going to pretend to have a backstory, so I have this necklace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's all tragic and all, but that was just not not interesting at all. And the way they shot that, it was also weird because she's like being stalked, and there's like, there's somebody back there. And he's a, he's stalking her. Well, he's a drunk. He stumbles out at her. It's like, okay. Yeah, that was one of the scene transitions that they were trying, I felt they were trying to be too clever with because that came right after Brienne and Jamie were talking about, do you think she's really safe in King's Landing? Right. It's like when Tywin told Jamie. A one-handed man with no family needs all the help he can get. And then they immediately cut to Tyrion, as though to say, right. see, maybe Tywin likes Tyrion now. <laughs> but in this point, what they're basically saying is, yeah, I guess she is safe, because the worst thing that could happen to her is that a drunk will try to give her jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. Yeah. That could be okay. So the big thing at the end, we get Arya and the Hound, which is great. Um they're headed toward the Vale of Aaron, where her aunt, who we rem- you may remember her from the really uncomfortable um, uh, eight-year-old boy nursing at his mother's breast scene from the first season. And a couple of the coolest sets they've had on the show. 
Yeah, yeah, with, that the sky <laughs> cell where Tyrion is kept, and, and the just a courtroom or a throne room with the big tree throne and a huge hole in the floor. Right. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. So they're supposedly going there, but they end up, uh, you know, stopping and seeing this uh, at the at this place. She sees the Polliver, who's the guy who took her sword and killed the the kid, and um, the, the Hound doesn't want to go in, but um, Arya just sort of starts walking down, and he's going to take her away. And oh, the door opens, and they have to go in, and one thing leads to another, as it always does when you're with the Hound. I <laughs> Or Arya. I think she's trouble. She is. She's very angry. Yeah. And she, this guy, I mean, this is a guy she wants to see dead. And so you get the sense that she just really doesn't care. She's going to go and, and, and provoke a confrontation. And honestly, once you get the Hound involved, I mean, he, he's, he's got some amount of self-control, but it sort of ends the moment he's sitting at the table listening to the other people around him yapping about things. And at that point, he just wants to kill people. Yeah, he has not yet decided to walk the earth in peace. Oh, no, he wants a chicken, and he will kill you if you do not give him a chicken. Again, I like a character with clearly defined goals. <laughs> yeah, I, what I wrote down while I was watching this is, I really like this scene, and I know the Hound is a very bad guy, but boy, he's great when he's on your side, right? Yeah. When you're pull, when you're pulling for Arya, and she's with the Hound, and the Hound is there, and he's just like, you know, I the king is stupid, you're going to get me two chickens, or I'm going to kill you, and I, I'm like, yeah, go Hound, because the Hound is... You know he's gonna back it up. He's gonna he's gonna kill. He will kill six guys for for a dinner if he needs to. He's happy to do it. I was a little confused with his metaphor when he started saying, "I'm gonna have to eat every chicken in this place." <laughs> I was. It, it is confusing because yeah, there there are the chickens that are roasting. I guess those guys are chickens. But then he was saying that Arya, the other guy, was saying that like Arya was a chicken. Yeah, like every everything can't be a chicken. <laughs> oh, it's no, like talking to the Smurfs. Which, which kind of chicken is this? He's like, I, no, I just, I really wanted, I, I'm not saying I'm going to kill you guys. I'm just saying I'm really hungry and I would like chicken. <laughs> it's like it was a misunderstanding and then they're all dead. That's just how it is. And he's not going to eat them. He just wants to eat the chicken. But that was, it, it was a lot of fun to see that, to see that scene. Um, and I, I like, I really like the moment where Arya, and you're waiting for it, right? Yeah. It's like where Arya, where Arya is like, Kind of, I she's she's behind a table and she's sort of like waiting as the hound is killing everybody. But then she has that moment where she says, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this," and she she steps into action and she takes her sword back and she you know kills some guys and then you know and then she really goes off on Polliver and replays. It's like, did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight <laughs> kind of thing, right? Oh, I think it's like I think that's her career path. She's gonna end up like the Joker at this point. Yeah. Yeah, or or any Go Montoya, I suppose. But she's going to be shouting things at people who did her wrong in the past as she kills them. That seems to be where she's she's happily going. Yeah, and good for her. Yeah, yeah. No, that was fun. That was a fun scene. Um, she never wanted to be a princess in the first place. No, no. I mean, that's why she got taught on the on and got her little sword from her father. No, she got it from Jon Snow, I think. Did she? I thought I thought Ned Ned finally gave her a sword because he relented. No, no, maybe. No, she got it from either Rob or John. I can't right. remember because they looked exactly the same in the first couple episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. She you're had right. To keep it secret. Right. And that's why right, she called cause... it needle because she was working on her sewing. Right. Wink. Wink. 
Well, she's she's doing some good killing now <laughs> with that thing. That that's uh So what did you think? I mean, I mean this is obviously a table setting episode. We're 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 getting back to most, although you're right, not all of the characters. Um uh, so I'm curious, you know, what what's your take on uh, the the episode as a whole? Um on the whole, I liked it. I did think they some of the check-ins like with Daenerys didn't seem to go anywhere and I'm not sure they were necessary except to say we still have dragons on our show. Yes. It, Don't forget. I think if they gave each character a proper amount of episodes so it felt like they had been checked in on, it would take three episodes to get through the whole cast. Right. And I'm not sure that 10 episodes would be enough to actually finish out the season. What I'm saying is right. I feel the story might have spread out a little too much to conveniently tell at this point. Yeah, there's a lot. You Like you said, there's a lot of King's Landing. So you, you've got the added complication of the Dornish people. You've got the wedding being planned. You've got the Tyrells, the reentry of Brienne and Jamie, which adds complication. There's, there's uh, you know, we didn't even talk about Tyrion and Shay, and they had that scene where she, you know— which is just kind of a domestic scene where she says, do you love your new wife? And he's like, no, of course I don't love her. And, you know, but he's, he's kind of mad at her and she's mad at him. So that's going on. So there's all of that. Plus a few of these other things that are happening with Daenerys and with uh, Arya and the Hound. Yeah. And we, um, we haven't even finished all the King's Landing stuff that the story has to tell because there's got to be scenes of Littlefinger and Pycelle being snarky at each other. Sure. Sure, what's the spider doing right now, you know? Who knows? He's not in, he's not not to be seen yet. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, it's a lot. And and, they, and the story is complicated. And I, I do feel like this is, I mean, they obviously feel that they can't start the momentum. You've got to give everything a little push before you can start diving into these stories and advancing them. So this is, a lot of this is remember where we were. Remember, this is, you know, these are what the issues are going forward. And so you get more scenes of it and it sacrifices a little bit of momentum in any of the individual scenes because it's going to be spread out over, you know, 10 different storylines that are being set up. Yeah, the Red Wedding was shocking and exciting when it happened. Along about the third time that somebody describes what happened to the audience again, like Sansa had to say, they killed my brother and they sewed his a wolf head to his body and they killed my mother and they cut her throat to the bone. Well, yeah. that already happened. I want to know what happens next. <laughs> at least here, John just says, you know, Rob was, you know, I should have hated him. He was so great at everything, but uh, I, I couldn't help it. I loved him. And I'm, you know, he's obviously very sad, but we don't have to go into any of the details of what happened. We, we, we got that. We remember that part. That's if I remember anything, if there's anything you don't have to put in the previously, <laughs> it is the red wedding. Got it. Well, you say that, but again, they put Ned's beheading in the red wet in the uh, previously. In the previously, yeah, yeah. Maybe they should have like done a little spot shadow on the sword. Hey, remember the sword? <laughs> Just remember it for like two minutes, and it'll be good. You'll get it. Um, also, the the Tywin scene where he melts down the sword is before the credits, which is kind of fun. That they've got the previously, and then they've got that scene, and then they go into the credits. Yeah, that was a little bit different. He threw a wolf onto the fire. Was that, or was that like the skin of one of the dire wolves? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I thought that was an odd choice because I don't 
think that's actually going to help the fire that much. It's just going to make the room <laughs> smell terrible. <laughs> I think it was just spite. I think he's he's ritually sacrificing the Starks by doing that. That he he, you know, it's just out of spite because that's he's that kind of guy. Or maybe he thinks there's something about the you know the power of the dire wolf and the Stark family crest and you know, but he doesn't seem like a superstitious guy. But then again, there is magic in this world, so maybe he you know is just taking no chances. Well, you know, only uh, three people in the world know how to work Valyrian steel. Yeah, and this guy was apparently you know interested in a Western vacation, <laughs> which is. Well, I was going to say it's a mistake, but there's probably a market for a really good blacksmith in King's Landing. Yeah, so the impression I get from the TV show and also from the books is that, the you know, Valyria, the doom of Valyria happened. And so it was like the highest technology civilization on the planet. And they're dead now, but they made this really awesome steel. And so there's a, a finite quantity of it now. And it can be melted down and re-poured, but they can't get anything new um, out of it. Yeah, they say that, but like... They talk about Valyrian steel constantly. Like, there's a Valyrian steel dagger that is made much of in the book. The show, thankfully, gave up on that subplot in season one. And people are always talking yeah, about the I, Valyrian steel obviously sword. Obviously, it's like, it's the most awesome of steels, apparently. I bet you a lot of it isn't really Valyrian steel, too. I bet they say that about all of them, but unscrupulous swordsmiths are making claims that are, can't be backed up. Oh, absolutely. Certificate of authenticity from Valyria. Yeah, I believe Jamie recognizes Valyrian steel, but random guy on the street? Eh. Right. He'll buy anything. Right, right. Yeah, they show you the Valyrian steel sword, but the one that you actually get is not Valyrian yeah. steel. Yeah, these certificates of authenticity are pretty easy to fake, really. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's easy to do, and most people wouldn't notice. They don't know the difference. It's a placebo effect, really. They think they're awesome because they got a Valyrian steel blade, and that's good enough for unless you're, uh, you know, unless you're Jamie Lannister, and then you know. <laughs> so, anything else? What? What? Uh, anything else that you've got on your list to talk about about two swords? Um, no, that is everything. Uh, except to say again, I really like uh, Natalie Dormer's performance. I think she's she'd taken a character that on paper, at least in the books, was practically nothing. Yeah. And now whenever Marjorie Tyrell is on screen, I'm always happy to see what happens next. Yeah, she's great. Her interactions with Diana Rigg are great, although her interactions with Brienne were also uh, were also interesting. Yeah, um, I, I want to see how she reacts with every character that we can get her in front of. Like, she has great chemistry with Cersei getting under Cersei's skin like nobody else can. Yeah. She's completely buffaloed Joffrey. Let's get Littlefinger in here and have her be smiling and condescending to him. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love the scenes with the with Arya and the Hound at the end. I thought that was great. I mean, bloody and violent and all those things, but also those those are really interesting characters with this interesting dynamic cuz you really shouldn't be rooting for them. <laughs> Especially for the Hound, right? In any in any way, really, what happened is they wandered into this place and killed everybody. But at the same time, it's like, yay, it's great. Um, well, they were Arya gets revenge. They were sort of rude. That's what happens yeah. when you're sort of rude. Yeah, you could leave it alone, but you know, there's a guy who talks too much, and uh, the Hound doesn't like that, and everybody dies. <laughs> and chickens, something about chickens. Chickens are good. You had sure. one. They're tasty. They're tasty. I would much rather have a chicken on a rotisserie spit 
than the random arm of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, if I have to pick my rotisserie item from Game of Thrones Season 4, Episode (laughs) 1, I choose the chickens over whatever the fens are cooking. And that's the moral.